Hey, everybody, and welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast, your creatively conscious mortality podcast, where we talk to just about anyone who has an experience of being mortal. I mean, that's pretty true, but it can vary. People working in palliative care, doctors, but especially our favorite are the creatives in the world, which leads me to introducing the guest we have for you today, Amelia Meath. My introduction to Amelia goes all the way back to 2010. My son wasn't born yet. I went to a show at the Fox in Oakland to see Jonesy, which just side note, definitely check out Jonesy. But the band that opened for them was Mountain Man, and it was three women singing the lullabye songs. And my wife's in the audience with me. She's pregnant. And I think it's the first time she felt our son move in her belly. And so then my best friend is in Milwaukee. And during Mountain Man's tour, they end up in Milwaukee. And my friend goes to the merch table after their show and tells them the whole story about what happened at the Fox in Oakland with me and my wife and my baby boy. She tells them that and they're schmitten. They love the story. She buys a vinyl and sends me, actually this, that's not true. She actually bought it for my son and with it, a record player. And so in the first months of my son's life, there's a little record player set up in his baby's room and his first vinyl is playing almost constantly made the Harbor by mountain man. And as it turns out, Amelia Meath was a part of that band and still is. And it's the first, she really started making music and touring, which I just find totally incredible. And especially wonderful because now I'm able to have a podcast and invite her on to get to acknowledge her for all that. And I did. And God, I'm so grateful for that. And now I get to share our conversation with you. Amelia Meath would go on after Mountain Man to start one of my favorite groups, Sylvanesso, with her partner, Nicholas Sanborn. And I've been listening to them for years. And what I got to tell Amelia was that unbeknownst to her, like most of the people experiencing her music in the world, she doesn't know all the stories, but I got to tell her that during the first months of my son's life, we're listening to Mountain Man's album, Made the Harbor, during that time, my mother-in-law is dying. And so there's this question, like who is to be a guest on this show? Like why? What is uh, the point to having certain people or anyone at all on this show? Like what are we doing here? And what I think you get by now, if you've been listening to a lot of our episodes is that you're going to die really has had music woven through it for years. It's been an essential ingredient to what we do. And you'll hear more of me talking about that later. But also in my own personal life, it's there, like medicine for me. I listen to it constantly almost and actually have to make real concerted efforts to not put on music. But during that time of my life, when there's almost a death that was happening because the baby's being born, a death of identity, a death to a part of our lives, but then also my mother-in-law's literally dying. And that's the music I remember listening to. Literally, like I couldn't for sure tell you what else was playing during that time, but I have videos of my baby boy and Mountain Man is playing in the background. It just was a part of the soundtrack of those precious and also deeply heartbreaking months of our lives. And 
And then to get like Mountain Man, it's got this lullaby kind of like sad and sort of heartbreaking sound to it. And then Sylvan Esso, which if you haven't heard Sylvan Esso, I'm so happy that you're listening to this podcast and that because of this episode, you're going to start listening to Sylvan Esso. Like I bet you will. That music is just so enlivening and joyful and dancey and sexy. And so that's the music I'm listening to for the years since that time, mainly Sylvan Esso and Mountain Man for sure returning to that, but Sylvan Esso. And so then jump to just a month or so ago, the first live concert that my wife and I go to since the pandemic has started is Sylvan Esso with local natives at the Greek in Berkeley. And, um, oh my gosh, I, I just cried. I'm just standing in line for a beer and the music starts and I burst into tears. I mean, you all know if you've been to a live show what it feels like to get back to it. And God, it really felt like so much. And so now you know all the reasons I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say other than all that, um, except that I just do really want to acknowledge and say thank you to Amelia for being down to jump on the podcast with me, giving me the chance to say all these things emotionally to her about who she's been in my life, like literally actively been in my life uh, since she really kind of started doing music started writing songs and touring. And so it's a real honor to be able to have her on the show and get to say all that. And to, again, weave in this idea of music running through what you're going to die is creating. And it's a lot of emotion and a lot of words and a lot of opening and being vulnerable. And the music catches us. That's what the music does for me. And that's what the music does and you're going to die. And so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy sharing it with you with Amelia Meath of Sylvan Esso on You're Going to Die, the podcast. Here I am. Uh, my name is Amelia Meath. I was uh, born in Manhattan, and I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, I now live in North Carolina. I'm a professional musician. Um, I write songs. And I've done it for about 10 years. And my favorite part of being a musician is getting to perform for people. It's one of my favorite ways of connecting. And I think that's, that's who I am today. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially after having just finished part of your tour or a segment of touring, which I think, you know, maybe now I got to see you with the local natives at the Greek. That was my first concert. Mm. Yeah. First concert um, since the pandemic started. Um, lots of crying there, too. And, and so I did want to take a minute to oh. be like, what is how are you doing that you now that you got oh my to do all that? <laughs> I'm I'm really good. I think it feels like um like uh the divining rod of my life or like the what's the like um the pendulum that people use to find water? Like it feels mm, like the uh, the now that mm -hmm. I get to be back on tour the the weight has returned to my life in a way that I I feel grounded in a way that um I missed and I'm so grateful for. You know your your aliveness and the electricness of it, um, your dancing, um, your singing on stage, like how that just, you know, it, it is enlivening as an audience member. I'm just like mm -hmm. thinking like, you're like, okay, yeah, I know that. I know how much people get pumped and dance and are in joyous celebration of being at a live show. But I'm wondering if you also feel, and maybe more during this tour than ever, do you feel like grief of an audience? Yes, but it's, it's a little, you know, because the nature, particularly the shows that Sylvanesso plays mm -hmm. where like 
you walk on stage and my job is immediately to be uh, open and vulnerable and present and also like grab the energetic comment, Mm. like comment Mm -hmm. of the energy of the room and start like winging it around my head to get everybody in the same place together. Yeah. Um, And because of that, the answer is yes, but it is much more collective mm-hmm. than what it is when someone is telling you about their grief. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. And I can, I have a, a big connection with the first five rows of people who are closest to me. And through this tour, I've been seeing uh, a lot of people crying mm-hmm. and dancing and laughing and <laughs> uh, making out and, you know... <laughs> all of those things. Yeah. Um, but also like it was always like that, Mm. but I think that it feels, it's so euphoric to get to experience it again. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, one of my, one of the things I was wondering and thinking about your, the dancing especially, but like, who's up there with you. And I mean, I feel like you're like, you're someone's in holding your hand, like the audience, you know, or maybe even someone you make eye contact mm-hmm. with out, out in the crowd, but also like, you know, is there, are your dead up there? Are there spirits ever like how, how, how lost in what that dance is and who the dance is and what the energy of the dance is? What is, can you describe some of that? If anything connects from what I just threw out there. So much of it is about actually like digging into the moment in my own experience of feeling and being. So in that there are, I'm interacting with like myself and my, my memories. And, um, it's strange now too thinking that, um, because we sing my backups are, are recorded versions of me, when we wrote the song. So like very often I'm singing with like my 24 year old self. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is the question I ask sometimes. It's like, why are you on this? Why are you having this conversation with me? Like what draws you here? I think, uh, yeah, for, for me, death is such a truly comforting thing that it's, uh, that it's, will be here eventually. Um, Mm. I have, I have, um, so much affection for the fact that it happens and that, or, or that, that I will eventually, even though saying it in the moment can sometimes feel really scary. Um, does it feel that way? Does it dying, feel that way now? No, but I don't want to, I think the thing that I, that I, I don't want to come across as flippant, mm-hmm. um, about death, but you know, the fact that we die makes life really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I very regularly just find I'm so it's usually in, around my own death. Like if I think about the people I love leaving, that's harder. Yeah. But me dying sounds great. <laughs> yeah, totally. How, yeah. How have you, I love how that. Have you form, how have you found that? Like, do you feel like that was like early childhood you knew or yeah. What's the like journey of that? And maybe even how have losses Mm. and deaths over your life informed it? Yeah. I've had, you know, when I was about three, from what I've observed from my friends who have children, most of the kids when they're about three start being aware of death Mm -hmm. and then begin like talking about it. And I think I remember like really connecting to the idea of my own death while I was listening to that, uh, the who song behind blue eyes Mm -hmm. while in the car seat and like having a real weep about dying Mm -hmm. in the back of the car, in my car seat. Um, and like trying to explain it to my dad who like in the moment was like, you're really already upset about dying. You're three. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it's so sad. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe closer to it, um, actually, you know, having just come into the yeah, world. Exa- yeah, 100. Yeah, exactly. You like just took your hand out of the pool. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And then in terms of my experiences with other people dying, not very many people I know 
or the list, I've been noticing that the list is getting bigger and also the inevitability that the list, there will always right. like the list is going to continue getting larger, mm-hmm. which just seems so rude, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Such an affront. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, my grandparents have left. I was, all, all of them are no longer with us. Um, but I was never particularly close to my grandparents other than I was close to, uh, I really love watching my parents love their parents. Um, and I was close to my parents' grief around their parents' death, but that wasn't, but all of that was so complicated. Um, or it can never, so many of those things are intense feelings that you don't want to explain to a 10 year old or that like are around the anger that you feel when you're in grief um, towards the person that you're grieving, which is something that I was always able to see and was kind of intrigued by. Cause it seemed like a, a funny, of like a very humorous and sort of uh, mischievous joke that we have to deal with all of this residual anger after some yeah. of the love leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which I sort of, which I love now thinking about it. It's just so beastly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that that appears. Yeah. Well, it's like you said, like the yeah. rudeness of the list growing, you know, it's like there's part of it that just is like pissed off and upset about it. Even like something animal and the reaction to that just naturally, like why wouldn't we be to have something taken from us or someone taken from us? The upset. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And also the thing I'm the, like, the thing I do really want to touch on is that it's not just like, gosh, darn it. I wish this person was here, but also like, I feel like this person never really appreciated me. And even though they're dead, I'm mad. <laughs> Like that's the kind of thing that I oh, yeah. think is okay. so funny. Yeah. Like then you start processing like all this, all this like just silliness, mm. you know, like kind of petty, sometimes petty, sometimes very deeply rooted in truth. Um, my, yeah. Or like, that's what that, that is like the closest I've gotten to watching the people I love's grief of watching them emotionally process things that, that are now only one-sided. Oh Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we-, we have, we've been dealing with, um, my, my sister-in-law's, my sister-in-law's dog recently passed away mm-hmm. and he got one of those incredibly sad, uh, like dog diseases where like the vet was like, your dog is going to die mm-hmm. very soon, but your dog doesn't know and you cannot see it, mm-hmm. you know? So, which is just so sad. And I was I have taken a dog to be, um, to, to die before at the, at the vet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nick hadn't my partner and, um, I forgot to tell him about what it felt like, or I forgot to tell him about what a truly strange thing that is to be present for mm-hmm. and how, um, just deeply surprising and shocking it is. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, as, that's as close to death as I've been. Hmm. recently and it's mostly and again it's much more of absorb absorbing the grief of somebody i love Mm -hmm. do you remember much being with your grandpa your grandfather while he was dying not really because he had truly reached the point where uh my presence I remember sitting at the, I actually had a really beautiful conversation with my grandmother who is a very, uh, like true Northeastern, uh, woman who, you know, she had like four outfits that she would get remade every seven years (laughs) and she had bone white hair that in this beautiful big old house that she lived in in New Hampshire, the copper pipes corroded and got turned green and her hair turned this beautiful jade green. Oh my gosh. And she never really talked about it, but like, (laughs) but like, you know, she was very, um, mm, everything, everything was in its right place. Mm. And she was in grief. I was 15 or 16. We were sitting at the foot of my grandfather's bed on the bench he was in at home in hospice and we were sitting there and my grandma got up to make a scotch and she offered me one. (laughs) 
And then we sat at the foot of my grandpa's bed while he was like, he was really struggling for breath. Mm. You know, he was at that point where, um, you know, the only thing you can really do is like morphine. It's a, you know, it's a waiting time. And we weren't looking at him. We were just sitting and drinking scotches, which to 15 year old me was amazing. (laughs) And she said, you know, I never had sex before I got married. And I think uh, that I really missed out. Oh my goodness. There. She said that there. There. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm like, what was it like with your grandfather dying? You're like, well, uh, I wasn't really paying attention to that because I was drinking a scotch. Exactly, because I was drinking scotch and my grandma was telling me to sleep around. I was like, hell yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. That moment, like the grief stricken, like revelation, like people revealing things in grief. It's it's a thing. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like when my mom died, my dad just like unloaded um, like that. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of it is personal, you know, like a lot of it is about like, that was totally about her in some ways, but like everyone go like bends into grief in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I love that for her in that moment, she was like, I I have some wisdom to impart on you. Um, yeah, I really, I love that, that memory in that moment Mm, because it was so, yeah riotous in how much was happening yeah (laughs) but also how quiet it was from our sponsor, you. Well, some of you. And (laughs) sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to not include all of you. All of you are sponsoring the podcast with your ears. If you're listening, thank you. That does count as sponsorship. So let me just say that first. Now I want to take a moment to acknowledge those of you that actually became patrons of You're Going to Die, the podcast through our Patreon account. This is a big thank you to all of you, how much it matters, how meaningful it is, whatever amount you contributed. Thank you. This was, of course, inspired and driven by my 44th birthday, and we succeeded beyond my wildest dreams. Now, we're a nonprofit, and we are in the world trying to do what we can do to make things free and as affordable as possible. So... Uh, It's great that you're listening and maybe you're getting this for free like we want that, but we also need community who are able to support what we're doing with as little or as much as they're able to afford. And Patreon is giving us funding we need to support this being in the world. And so I really sincerely want to thank all of you who were able to become patrons through that effort. And Now, there's so much reason, maybe even more reason for those of you that haven't yet to join that community. We're really wanting to make part of our efforts with the podcast to acknowledge that community on the front end. So that means special announcements about guests that are coming up, sneak peek listening to audio from podcasts that haven't been released yet, listening to audio that will never be released anywhere but through our Patreon account and with our Patreon community. So you should definitely, if you haven't yet, go to patreon.com forward slash YG2D and become a patron. You can do it for as little as $1 a month. And I'm just going to do the math real quick. That comes to $12 a year. So just to put in perspective, 
All it would take is for you to decide not to buy one or two drinks, non-alcoholic or otherwise, in a year's time. So twice in a year, you have to reach for a beer or reach for a soda and think, you know what? I'm going to not do that this time because you know what I'm doing with this money? It's going to, you're going to die the podcast. And, and it's, and it's, it's enough. $1 a month is more than enough, but also you can contribute as much as you want every month. And thanks to everybody who chose to do whatever amount they chose, it all adds up. So go to patreon.com forward slash YG2D and become a part of our patron community, helping you're going to die the podcast. Keep getting in your ears and more ears. <laughs> Is that going to be a thing that I say now regularly? I don't know. It feels, feels weird. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we have these little moments in the middle of the episodes to kind of drop in and maybe use sounds and music to get you present to your aliveness in the context of confronting our mortality. Like what would the podcast be without, uh, and I mean a creatively conscious mortality podcast, be without some of that. And I know a lot of the conversation does it. And I think Nick's music and sound engineering for sure. And the conversation, but this mid show moment is a little denser, more focused, intentional version of that. And we wanted to do something like we usually do, which is give us a chance to kind of drop in and just listen for a couple minutes to something that has us in our body and in our aliveness, like an invitation. Uh, but also to honor the guests, often it feels good to like use this moment to do that. And I just happened to look back through all the photos and videos all the way back to 2011. And I found what I was hoping to find, which is this audio of my son, like days old and mountain man playing in the background. So the audio you're about to hear held gently, creatively, per usual, wonderfully by Nick Jana and his work is audio of my son Shay at like days old. And I'm holding him right next to his new record player that my friend Allie sent him with the mountain man vinyl made the harbor plane right by his little head, his little noises and that beautiful music held by this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast. Sit, my dear, and please prepare. 
Yeah. Now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing that so much of like when she died, I had a dance concert and everybody in my family kind of deemed that I think everyone was so sad and I didn't really understand, but people were like, you know, you should do the dance concert instead. And I was like, Mm. okay. And then afterwards I was like, wait a second. I should have gone. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. like The funeral. Or no, I don't know. Actually. Was the day of your Yeah, that was the funeral for my grand. Yeah, that was the funeral for my grandfather, Mm -hmm, actually. mm -hmm. The funeral for my grandmother I went to. It was in Dublin, New Hampshire. And I brought along a boyfriend who said the rudest joke at my grandmother's expense at her funeral. Oh, no. I mean, and like, you know, everyone's, everyone's trying to figure it out. You're not going to tell us, <laughs> are you gonna, remember, like in front of everybody? Like as like got up at the podium and no. said a joke? Okay. <laughs> oh my God. No, thank goodness. No, no one would let him talk. No. He was, <laughs> it was just my, my boyfriend from college. But right, I remember no. <laughs> in the moment being like, this is so bad. He just leaned over and said it to me in the aisle. But of course it was like classic, you know, <laughs> loud, <laughs> uh, uh, completely uncomfortable, not able to comprehend the true Yankee mm. funeral that he was surrounded by mm-hmm. as a Californian. I mean, you're, boy, you're not, not going to tell us the joke. That's how bad it was. I don't even remember it because I remember what it, it felt like getting yes. hit in the face. More importantly. Mm. Yeah. Like it felt, it was so like, it was like, had that shock of whiteness and then like it was tingly afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And he knew that he'd really fucked up in the moment too. I remember just like looking at oh. him and being like, Oh brother. Yeah. Great job. I don't know how to do this. So <laughs> I'm just going to make this joke. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like you said, it's I like mean, all these it. grief, you know, it's like, here's what he did. Your grandma told you to sleep around and gave you a scotch. You know, it's like these things we do. Yeah. I mean, there is a, maybe he just does things like that a lot <laughs> anyway, but there's a feeling that like 100%. the grief cracks. Okay. But there's a feeling that the grief cracks open these moments too, where it's like, what, how did that happen then? Like, why did they say that? And there's something raw and we're on the, the edge. Yeah. It's like, there it is that it has to come out. There's nothing holding it back. Like the veils pulled away from everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like the rules are gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you danced. Yeah. You dance. You had a dance recital during your grandfather's funeral. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to like be dramatic, but um, I just I think it's sort of wonderful that you were dancing instead of being there and it just obviously kind of connects to like who you are in the world so much now and it's interesting to have this conversation and realize that that um that most of the grief that i have known is either through is through heartbreak and not through the loss of somebody that i love yeah how rare is it in your life that you realize that there is an up there is a a feeling that is yet to come Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it feels like what you're this specific version of it, you know, I've talked to people that are like, they just haven't been brought there yet. And um, this, this seems like one of those in particular experiences, more than most, um, that would be it'd be common to hear people say what you just said, you know, it's like you said, like heartbreak. I mean, we just, we just go there. It's as we grew up becoming a kid, making relationships, falling in love. It's like that stuff is just so readily available part of available. But like losing, like when my mom died when I was 23. And so I just look around me back then and still, Mm -hmm. and see all these friends of mine, all my community who just didn't know what I was going through, you know? Mm, mm, mm. And still actually like a lot, I mean, obviously, like you said, the list starts to rapidly lengthen, but there's still an experience of looking around and seeing people just not, not have had to incur such loss. Yeah. It's a shit club. 
It seems like a shitty club. <laughs> My mom did actually this past year. Oh, this is a ooh ooh. Oh boy, oh, I'm excited to okay, tell you about good. this. All right. Um, my mom, my mom's 75 and she had a friend, she worked in, she lives in this idyllic little town called Harrisville, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And in Harrisville, there's a tiny general store that's on top of the hill. And that's where absolutely everybody of the 500 people that live in this historic mill town go and get their breakfast and lunch and dinner. And her mom had a friend named Marina who was very much. Marina is just more like just wilder and weirder than than um, my mom's usual kind of friend mm -hmm. in that she looked like she's from Eugene, Oregon, <laughs> um, and she wore a lot of colors and uh, she wait, found wait, out that wait, she, I'm sorry. I, I like that as a specific description, <laughs> not from Eugene, Oregon, but looks like it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's real. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of greens, a lot of reds, <laughs> yeah. bright yellows, yeah, walking blues. Yeah. Um, yeah, indiscriminate religious iconography. <laughs> um, and Marina found out that she was going to die like two years ago. And my mom, without, I think pretty much without skipping a beat, was like, come live with me. Oh, wow. And my mom basically death dueled her friend mm -hmm. and she was in hospice in my mom's like small house. And they weren't like, by the end of it, they were very, very close, mm -hmm. but it was really fascinating to watch my mom give an incredible amount of herself to her friend, Marina, who was, who was dying and who died. Yeah. Down to the fact that like Marina was in hospice in my mom's living room and Marina's family who lived very close by were all coming to visit her, but in my mom's house. Yeah. I mean, it's, it connects to what we talked about a bit ago, which is this, like, I, I do appreciate this option to end your life. And I think there's mm. times where it's deeply important and, um, the kind of suffering and pain that we sometimes go through, but also like, it, it sounds like that's not what happened with um, your mom's friend. And so then her asking, and is that true? She, th this friend didn't take that. Th this friend just died. No, this friend just died. Yeah. I think she probably would have taken that if mm -hmm. she, but I don't, but I, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, I'm like, there's something about, the act of being with the dying and, and your mom like asked for her to have that happen, like to be with it in her home, the significance of that. And it's like through to the end mm. and like the, the work of that, I think there's this thing, I think there's the risk with the end of life, the, the end of life option um, where we mm. skip the chance to be what your mom knew she needed to be for your friend and that that's our job as a community or it could be um as community as mm. family and friends to be like i'm gonna do that with you all the way you know like no matter how hard it gets no no like i'll be quick here out i'm here you know um and again yeah. i'm not saying i don't think yeah totally mm -hmm. totally totally and like what death does to her like what death did to your mom like sh that that mm -hmm. like the truth of it to have it be that close mm -hmm. I just think there's there's just nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a true community. It's a true community builder that's very different from the movement of people being like, you know what, I'm I don't wanna I don't wanna do it anymore. Yeah. Which I really get also. Because yeah, it's sure. yeah, because there is something different. There's it's different between like an individual's choice of being like, I am tired of being in pain. Versus like, I am here to witness you mm -hmm. leave. Mm -hmm. And like, we can do it. You know, your mom was like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. Along with all the questions, I'm sure like, what a huge deal. Like not to oversimplify that like act and the choice, but that there was a like, yes to it, you know, yes to all of it. It was really interesting to watch, to, to witness for, from the outside to see. Mm-hmm. 
Cause in a lot of ways it seemed like, um, mom had a gut, a gut reaction and the reaction was come live with me. Mm. And then she did it until the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to, I want to acknowledge you for something that I want you to be like, yeah, I get it. And I'll take that acknowledgement or like, no, it doesn't really make sense. Cause there, there's a way that I would describe asking you to be on the show that does acknowledge mm. you as someone who do- knows grief. Um, and there's like one of the questions in that is like, like knowing there's been times where you've wailed and wept, um, and wanting to know like what that was, but also something I talked a little bit when we started, which is, you know, part of your being on the show and, and why you matter to me as a human is the way that you teach and, and without maybe knowing it, like how to turn heartbreak, let's say, and, and mm. grief. And I, and I think that like that version of grief and trauma or like the grief of life, the heartbreak of life into like an act, like transform it with music. Mm. And, mm. and, and the way that to give you a little more context for where I'm coming from for you're going to die is that like the beginning of all you're going to die started with open mics. And it was a space that I realized I need when my mother-in-law died especially my Mm. mom had been dead for, you know, many years by that point, but because of both of them, especially influenced by the loss Mm. of my mother-in-law, it was like, I want a space where I can go and, and grieve, you know, and say her name and talk about her death and her life. And it turned out like other people needed that. But what I knew really early on, like over 10 years ago is that music needed to be a thing we kept getting to so that no matter how many Mm. people got up and shared every story and put all the words on it, like we'd we'd have someone usually it ended up being that there would be a musician who and and now that's like definitively what is true any workshops open mics events concerts obviously especially but like any of these things that we produce there's music we get to and the music i feel like has taught me the musicians and artists like you have taught me without realizing it. Maybe you didn't realize it. Maybe I didn't realize in the beginning, listening to Mountain Man and listening to Sylvan Esso, that there's that act is happening in your being in the world. And that what you give me is like the medicine of that. You give me the transformation you've done. And so mm. then I get release and catharsis and medicine from your music and I'm, mm. I'm wondering like does that feel are you like that's sweet like I never thought about it that way I don't know I that's cool or are you like no for sure like that's what I do I'm just wondering what's coming up when I articulate all that I think that's totally what I do but I think that also the lesson or the thing I think it connects to grief and it connects mm-hmm. to the human experience in that, you know, so much of everything that art does is just saying, um, we are here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like my mom saying to Marina, I'm going to be here mm-hmm. until you yeah. are not. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that is what music does. Mm-hmm. And it is a great, the best part about music is the great connector. Like everyone Unlike grief or so many other emotions that are take us and wrap us up in our individuality, I think music has the ability to actually like connect people mm-hmm. in mysteriously and with elements of the divine mm-hmm. open people. Yeah. In the same way at the same time. Yeah. You're right. Is there more that you can describe about that eventuality? I mean, there, cause there's times when I think like imagining my deathbed, assuming I get to have one and it's not just a bus, mm. um, but that there's a moment I can get to as a touchstone of like, oh, like what a relief and not like my out, but that that moment, that eventuality, like you said, that trusted eventuality, that reliable thing <laughs> that will happen no matter what infuses this moment for me in this way that like, 
everything falls away almost sometimes. Like any stress, mm. anxiety, it's like, oh, 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 right, right, right. Look, just perspective, you know? Look at this oh. precious thing, you know? Yes. Is that how, how it is? Or is there other ways of describing your like feeling that way about death? Mm. I, yeah, I think like that is a really strong one. I love that you go to imagining your deathbed. Cause for me, uh, I never think about that. Mm. I think it's so much more person, more like, more like, like, uh, like it's inside of Ooh. my body mm -hmm. and the Witchy. feeling is, yeah. And the feeling is like, uh, or like, like when I think about the calming nature of death, it's an experience that I will have within myself and it will feel like being done. Mm. You said, and I don't mean that in like the poetic. You feel like being it, done? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean that in that, like, um, like in a romantic done sense of like being like, I put my pen back in the <laughs> jar where I took, you know, like, I don't mean like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I mean is like everything stopping. Yeah. <sighs> Which just sounds mm. great. Mm. Yeah. And then what, and now, and now where I'm going is like, but the problem is, is that like to know that not everything stops or maybe it does. Like maybe, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many different ways of thinking about it. Um, but I love, I love people too much now mm. to not immediately go to that of being like, well, what, you know, mm -hmm. what are Molly and Alexandra and Sandy and, Mm -hmm. Tani and my mom and my dad and my sister are going to do. Mm. But also then I get to like languish in the idea of them being so sad about me being <laughs> gone, which like, oh, yes, please. Oh, I want that oh, attention. Yeah. We deserve like, that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, right? <laughs> Wailing and crying. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah. Assuming... Like, Mm. assuming that they're not like god she didn't give me enough attention when she was around and they're just angry and resentful oh but they totally <laughs> yeah they totally will also do that yeah, too which is too. so cool yeah, like totally. all of that good complicated like amelia never really appreciated me <laughs> <laughs> we all get it oh that sounds yeah that sounds great oh gosh it sounds yummy. i love all yeah, right? Doesn't it sound wonderful? Totally. I mean, I feel, I really do mean that. You're describing it in a way that just makes me feel just very pleased and happy. And I'm just like feeling your words. And I just think a lot about like us deserving that. I mean, I want that to happen. Mm. I want my kids to be, I want them to wail, you know? And yeah. I want them to be okay. Mm -hmm. I want them to be okay. But I want them to like be in all the stuff that can fucking finally happen that couldn't happen before I died, you know? And I wanted to say that yeah. about this too, is like my, when my mom died, there's something that came up listening to you where I was like, you're right. That is what happened with her, you know? But also mm. there was something, there's something I wanted to say, and, and maybe you, maybe you could speak to this, but I wanted to say like what maybe yeah, was missing is the like, there's a relationship still happening. Like I had to have all that resentment and like upset and anger. And like, it's something mm -hmm. I work through. And so like my mom and I are pretty good right now. And that's actually something that I feel. I'm not talking about a ghost or a spirit or she's in heaven looking down smiling. I don't mean to put any of that on there, but I mean that like all the stuff you're describing working out in us when someone goes mm -hmm. is like the relationship mm -hmm. almost maybe even like, sometimes fast forwarding like getting healing even mm. that it didn't have before you know mm -hmm. that makes absolute sense to me mm -hmm. that that makes absolute sense and so then today i could and like, that, like go ahead oh and then like how's your like your mother's never gonna leave you mm -hmm. like that's actually impossible right like you learned how to be a person mm -hmm. with her yeah and, 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 you know, and with her like deadness, you know, like that version yeah. of her, you know? Mm-hmm.
Make it easy, make it plain, make it simple, make it rain, lift me up and out again, like you did back when I was ten, world was smaller, but you knew it then, play it again, play it easy. Play it plain, play it simple, out in the rain, out in the heat, out in the snow, to all the men at the rodeo, they all know it from long ago, hear it echo, see it flow, now you know, now you know. Now you know Know it easy Know it plain Know it simple This loving thing And in the darkness You hear it ring And when it freezes It thaws again Just like a record Spinning round Okay, you hear it that loving sound It's playing now 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 it's playing now. 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 Make it plain, make it simple, make it rain, lift me up and add again, like it did back when I was ten, world was smaller, but you knew it then, play it again. That was Make It Easy from Sylvanesso's newest album, Free Love, and you can find out more and listen to more and watch more and check out their tour right now by going to Sylvan Esso's website, sylvanesso.com, S-Y-L-V-A-N-E-S-S-O.com. What a pleasure this episode has been to get out in the world. Super stoked and excited. How about you, Nick? Con gusto. Mm. I know you've a been- pleasure uh, too bulking up your Spanish lately. Mm -hmm. It's really coming through. Yeah, could you tell? gusto. <laughs> it's so uh, nice to hear that musicians are, are going on tour. I still think of it as a musician myself on a much smaller level, that it's a thing that's uh, complicated to make happen. And I, I think yeah. when you play kind of danceable music that can be outdoorsy, I don't make like outdoor music. I know we've talked about this. Like, right. Like you're going you're to gonna die, die. Events, events right. are not like outdoor, like lawn, like let's lay out a blanket. <laughs> Loungy lawn. <laughs> and hear Ned cry. <laughs> right. I but, do um, it, but yeah, you're right. I need like, like you, I think you're headed with the, like the dark sort of, uh, cave like, um, vibes. Yeah, which still seems maybe a little off limits. But although I am playing a gig in a couple of weeks and it's oh, cool. indoors. Well, I was on, thinking yeah. a lot about you with this episode, you know, like making the connections to why it matters to us, thinking about your perspective, um, that very obviously these things would come up. You're thinking about touring and listening to Amelia talk about it, but also the writing of songs and how this act that I think we've talked about before, but it'd be cool to revisit it 
this this thing I sort of insist on articulating often and have on the <laughs> podcast repeatedly, which is this the act of the musician and the way I've said that you there there's no better producer for the show than a musician. And so I guess mm -hmm. that's my sort of general question for you, editing the, it, the conversation between Amelia and I, and, and thinking about some of these, these concepts, the idea of w what the musical act is, what it can be for healing and catharsis and that little container, that gift wrap act that you do when you make a song and give it to someone you've somehow taken your heartbreak or your trauma or and maybe joy and celebration of life but you've taken an emotional experience and made a song and then you give that to someone so they can have it like readily available is that a way you think about doing music and especially how it connects to the spaces you're going to die facilitates no cool Thanks for listening, everybody. It's been such a pleasure having you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, oh. of course. Um, you know, it, it, it clicked for me when she said- No, no, said, wait, 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 wait. Just try the it, try going with the no. I just want to hear you trying like, no, this is why I do music. Can you play that character for a sec? What's the opposite of what I just described that a musician might say? Uh, music is about selling beers and getting people to hook up. <laughs> on the patio <laughs> yes while you're playing which i and then agree in, with I do and then going back to your true. hotel room and then <laughs> dot 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 uh yeah it's funny it's like mine is like yeah i agree with the beer and as i mentioned earlier in the episode i cried while i was buying my beer i wasn't having sex on the lawn um but uh okay all right so we got that out of the system can you give me a real answer it clicked for me when uh, Amelia said that every night she goes up and she sings with older versions of herself because she has these vocal loops when she first recorded the song that then are played when, when during the live show. And of course, she doesn't like update it. <laughs> Why would you update it every tour, right? It's it's mm -hmm. it works, right? But yeah. then it's it's like her twenty four year old or whatever age version of herself. It's like dancing or singing with these spirits. Um, which is really beautiful and a connection to this conversation that we're talking about. But I think it's any musician, even if they're not playing old uh, vocal loops in their performance, you make these songs and they're often years old and people connect to them and they listen to them and they seem, you seem as at the age of the, the recording of the song to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're literally hearing like an older version of yourself. I know that's obvious, but you go out and you play and you have, you play a new song, you've got a three-year-old song, you've got a seven-year-old song, you know, um, you've got all these different spirits with you that you have to honor. I'm usually of the mindset of, I just want to play all new stuff. I want it to be new. Why, mm. why do I have to hold on to you, these old things? Usually that's your inclination. When I'm performing. Regularly when I'm having like, new stuff when you're live. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to like, I think it's really to like slough off those, those dead skins, you know? I, yeah, but, I, I get that. When I'm in the audience, I'm in the exact opposite. I'm like, just play from your first two albums. That's when you were good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When you're, that's very funny. Just thinking, you're like, as an audience member, though, it's like, screw the new shit. Give me the old track. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that's. Right. I think that's the common sentiment. Totally, but it's hard yeah. to square that with how I feel when I'm it's up there. It's fun to performer. hear you. Yeah, the, <laughs> that crossover. Um, that's cool. But yeah. it, it it is a hard existence. You know, it's not like that when you're a painter or an author mm. or something like you don't have to like trot out your ghost every time, you know, and think about sure. somebody like Paul McCartney, who like, everyone's like, don't play anything you've written in the last 50 years. We don't care. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, still. um, I mean, he's, he sleeps on a billion dollars, but like, still like it is just from that perspective of like your past selves and like moving on beyond that when everybody wants you to stay in the past in some way, even if mm. it's just by like, sing the song the way you did before with that sound in your voice and that spirit that you had mm. before, you know, don't even update the song that you're the old song, you know, it, it is a challenging thing with musicians that I think struggle with that a lot of like literally like touring around in this way that brings a lot of newness and freshness to the, to each city. Right. But you're, you're coming with this squadron of ghosts and then the audience comes with their expectations of these mm -hmm. ghosts of you. And, and it's challenging. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Um, but I also really appreciate 
I mean, this is such a loose connection. I'm just like being careful. I think about the podcast work as like getting something done and putting it into the world and kind of knowing that it makes a difference or that it matters to some people and often not. And I just know we've talked a bit about like what it means to get an album done or a book done, but like putting something in the world um, and then letting it go and time kind of doing what it does to it. Uh, what I do love about the podcast in a way that I feel like connects to what you're describing, the need to play fresh songs that you're connected to. I have almost like an aversion to like an interview we did six months ago using that content. Now I don't, I want to be in where I'm, what I'm feeling now, what I'm connecting yeah. to most, the freshest content, the freshest way I've talked even, or sh had a conversation. Um, the proximity of that and then the realness of who I am, that I'm not an entertainer, that I'm, and I think of you as this kind of musician. It's like you're up there being very like real and raw and your mm -hmm. music that's new really helps you do that. Yeah. It would and seem. most, most audiences don't want that, which I used to get frustrated at. And now I'm, now I understand it. A lot of people just want to sit on a blanket on a lawn and drink some beer and, yeah. Dance with your old ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. I, you know, I just appreciate something I've kind of articulated before to you, but you know, all your thoughtfulness with the editing and producing the episodes, but especially when it's like this, when there's someone that's in maybe even more in your conversation, in your reality and creative being in the world than mine and mm -hmm. the kind of intention and attention you give to editing the conversation and keeping it bound in what we're about with the podcast and with you're going to die. I just, it's not lost on me, the, the efforts that you put into all that. Thank you. It's a mm -hmm. pleasure. Thank you. Did you have any questions for me, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like answering a question, just anything, one question. What what's next? When do you think we'll go back to in person? You're gonna die. I, I I yeah. I, I that's a great question. Um, I would say uh, the new year feels like a big calling. Yeah. Uh, we've had some opportunity to do something um, in the last few months of this year, and it just hasn't felt clear enough um for very obvious reasons and also just kind of being with what is right now what's working with our workshops and doing the podcast and doing my work at the hospitals and getting the prison program uh back up and running in the ways that we can um mm -hmm. the live shows kind of crazily to me because as heartbreaking as it was to stop them i'm not i'm not hurting over rushing getting back to them either Right. Um, but I think for sure in, in 2022, we'll out the gates, we'll be back live. And, uh, and I feel that just from what I'm seeing in the world, like even what we touched on here, seeing Amelia tour and all the musicians I know starting to do more events and, um, but then also having the venues and knowing the venues need us to return to, yeah. to be successful yeah. and to survive. And, uh, I don't think we can wait much longer. Uh, and I feel like we're at a point in the pandemic personally, and especially in San Francisco Bay Area, maybe, or at least it, it, my sense for it is that it's 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 safer and it's okay and we're shifting. So I always say that stuff with a caveat. It's like what we've been through, who knows? There's still mm -hmm. trauma there. It's still uncomfortable, but I'm getting venues asking us, you know, old friends to you're going to die asking us back. And uh, it feels like any day now we'll book our first live show and we'll get there great i look forward to it yeah me too well thanks nick for all you do you're welcome thank you thanks amelia meath and i'll say nicholas sanborn for your influence and presence in all the sylvanesso being in the show and thanks to all you listeners again all the patrons for my birthday the over 44 new patrons on our Patreon page. Uh, so big. Yeah. Is that that noise? Is that the I, horn noise? That was noise? really poor. Could that you, was a really bad example. Do you want to try? Do you want to try to do? <laughs> that That was a goat who swallowed an air horn. And then. There you go. There you go. Um, we do celebrate you, though, with our poor 
uh, imitations of air horns. Um, <laughs> we're so grateful for the support and that funding to let us do this. We love it and care about it so much. Well, I do. Nick just, you know, he needs to pay the bills. <laughs> and so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all. And for those of you that yes, haven't become a this patron is yet. the most efficient and <laughs> smart way of paying the bills. Okay. The smallest bills. Um, but those of you that want to become a patron, go to our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash YG2D. And you can contribute as little as $1 a month uh, to help us do more of this in the world. So uh, I think that's it. Thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time. Bye, Nick. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>